and welcome to another episode of the Orthodox Logos. I hope that everybody can hear me well. This is the third time I've attempted this stream uh, in between issues with my camera, issues uh, at home with my animals. So uh, God bless everybody. I hope everybody's enjoying this fast for the Nativity of Christ. And today, November 23rd, we commemorate St. Amphilicus, Bishop of Iconium, and St. Gregory, Bishop of Agrigentum. And uh, sorry about the pronunciation on those as well. That will always be a continuous issue when it comes to saints that have um, unique names. So yeah, today we're going to get into some readings as well, some scripture, uh, Thessalonians 1, 6 through 10, and then Luke 17, 23. 6 through 37 and 18:8 as long uh, as well as the lives of the saints that we commemorate today. So let's go ahead and start. Today, November 23rd, 2021, we commemorate Saint Amphilicus, Bishop of Iconium, and Saint Amphilicus, Amphilocus, Bishop of Iconium was born in Caesarea in Cappadocia a city which has given the world some of its greatest fathers and teachers of the Orthodox Church. He was uh, the first cousin to St. Gregory of, of Nyssa, St. Gregory the Theologian, and a close friend of St. Basil the Great. He was their disciple, follower, and of like mind with them. St. Amphilicus toiled hard in the field of Christ. He lived in the wilderness as a strict ascetic for about 40 years until the time when the Lord summoned him for Hierarchic service. In the year 372, the Bishop of Iconium died. Angels of the Lord thrice appeared in visions to St. Amphilicus, summoning him to go to Iconium to be the bishop. The truthfulness of these visions was proven when the angel appearing to him the third time sang together with the saint the angelic song, Holy, 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 Lord of Sabaoth. The heavenly messenger led the saint to the nearest church where an assembly of angels consecrated Amphilicus bishop. The saint, on the way back to his cell, encountered seven bishops who were seeking him at the command of God. In order to establish him as archpastor of Iconium, Saint Amphilicus told them that he was already consecrated by the angels. And for many years, Saint Amphilicus tended the flock of Iconium, Iconium entrusted to him by the Lord. The prayer of the righteous one was so intense that he was able to ask the Lord to hear to heal the spiritual and bodily infirmities of this of his flock. The wise archpastor, gifted as a writer and preacher, unceasingly taught piety to his flock. A strict orthodox theologian, the saint relentlessly confronted the Arian and Eunomian heresies. He participated in the Second Ecumenical Council, which was in 381 and he headed the struggle against the heresy of Macedonius. Letters and treaties of St. Amphilicus are preserved, which are profoundly dogmatic and apologetic in content. The holy bishop Amphilicus of Iconium departed peacefully to the Lord in the year 394. So that is a short life description of St. Amphilicus, bishop of Iconium, Iconium, I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce that. Um, he was from Cappadocia and a first cousin to St. Gregory the Theologian and a close friend to St. Basil the Great, who we also remember very, very fondly and our great um, fathers and 
have done a lot for the Orthodox faith as well. Next, we have St. Gregory, Bishop of Agrigentum. And St. Gregory, Bishop of Agrigentum, was born on the island of Sicily in the village of Praetorium, not far from the city of Agrigentum, of the pious parents Chariton and Theodota. The infant Gregory was baptized by the Bishop of Agrigentum, Pataimonus, at 10 years of age. The studious boy mastered writing and was able to read and to sing church hymns. At 12 years of age, St. Gregory was given to the clergy, and he was put under the spiritual guidance of the Archdeacon Donatus. St. Gregory spent the next 10 years in the Agrigentum Church. Then, however, an angel of the Lord appeared to the holy youth, who had a fervent desire to visit Jerusalem, and said that God had blessed his intention. At Jerusalem, St. Gregory was presented to Patri Patriarch Macarius, um, who reigned 563 to 574, and who retained the pious youth for service in his own cathedral church, ordaining him deacon. The soul of St. Gregory thirsted for monastic labors, and the patriarch gave his blessing, allowing him to go to the monastery on, Mount, on the Mount of Olives. After a year, St. Gregory departed his monastery for a desert elder, who for four years taught him spiritual wisdom, humility, and the principles of monastic life. The aesthetic, foreseeing in St. Gregory a future great luminary of the church, gave him a blessing to forsake the solitary life. Having left the elder, St. Gregory dwelt for a certain time at Jerusalem and then went to Constantinople where he was received with love by the brethren of the monastery of the holy martyrs Sergius and Bacchus. The aesthetic efforts of St. Gregory were noticed by Patriarch, I'm going to butcher this, Eutychius, Eutychius of Constantinople 552 to 565, whose insistence, at whose insistence the saint participated in the Fifth Ecumenical Council, 553. And at the completion of the council, St. Gregory set off for Rome to venerate the graves of the Holy Apostle Peter's, Holy Apostles, Peter and Paul. During this time, the Bishop of Agrigentum died. The elder clergy and illustrious citizens of Agrigentum journeyed to Rome with a request for the Pope to determine a successor for the late hierarch from among a list of candidates they were presenting. The Pope, however, declined their proposal through divine inspiration and instead summoned St. Gregory to serve them as bishop. For a few years, St. Gregory peacefully guided the flock entrusted him to him by God. He was a defender of the downtrodden, a wise preacher, and a miraculous healer. As Archbishop, St. Gregory led the life of an aesthetic monk, fervently observing monastic vows. The flock loved their hierarch and trusted in him, but there were also malicious people who had resolved to slander him. While St. Gregory was in church, these vicious people secretly led a bribed harlot into his chambers, and then, in front of the crowd which accompanied the bishop to the doors of his house after services, they led her out and accused St. Gregory of the deadly sin of fornication. They placed the holy bishop under guard, and the people attempted to defend their bishop, but were unsuccessful. At the trial, trial, the harlot gave false testimony against St. Gregory. Just as she pronounced the words of slander, he went, she went into a fit of frenzied rage. The judges accused the saint of sorcery. St. Gregory was sent for judgment to the Roman bishop together with a report about his crimes. The Pope, after reading his charges, did not want to see the accused and gave orders to remand him to prison. 
The saint endured his humiliation humbly, dwelling in constant prayer, and his prayerful effort and wonder-working gifts quickly became known through the city and the surrounding region. Pious Romans began to gather at the prison, whom the imprisoned saint taught about the righteous life, and he implored the Lord to heal the sick. And after two years, a clairvoyant elder named Mark, who had known St. Gregory since youth, came to the Pope. The elder did not believe the charges, and he persuaded the Pope to convene a council to decide Gregory's case. At the invitation of the Pope, many clergy from the city of Agrigentum came to the council, together with all those making accusations against the saint, including the harlot. From Constantinople, three bishops and the imperial dignitary Marcion came to Rome. Along the way, Marcion had fallen grievously ill. On the advice of many people who had received healing through the prayers of St. Gregory, servants carried the dying man to the prison where the wonder-working saint languished. Through the prayers of St. Gregory, the Lord granted healing to Marcion. Marcion or Marcion, sorry. At the council, the slanderers attempted to renew their accusations, and as their chief proof, they presented the deranged harlot to the judge, declaring that Gregory had bewitched her. But the saint prayed over her and cast out the devil. The woman came to her senses and told the council the whole truth. The slanderers were brought to shame and judged. Marcion even wanted to execute them, but St. Gregory implored forgiveness upon them. St. Gregory returned in honor to his own cathedral, and surrounded by the love of his flock, he guided the church until his own peaceful demise. So that is the life of St. Gregory, Bishop of Agrigentum, who we commemorate today, November 23rd. And we are going to go ahead and get into some scripture reading. If you have the Orthodox Study Bible or any Bible, maybe a King James or New King James, you can go ahead and pull that out. We are going to start with 1 Thessalonians 6 through 10. Um, I might even just start at 1 Thessalonians 1. Paul, Savanius, and Timothy. To the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor, and love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God and Father. Knowing, beloved brethren, your, elect your election by God, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you became follower, followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Acacia who believe. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Acacia, Akasha, Acacia, A-C-H-A-I-A, Akia, but also in every place. Your faith forward, your faith toward God has gone out, so that we do not need to say anything. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. It's Thessalonians 1 and I read 1 through 10. Today's reading is 6 through 10. And the footnotes in the Orthodox Study Bible are brilliant. I really enjoy them. They break break things down in a way that um, I haven't seen in any other Bibles. So for 1 1, 
In the first century Greek world, there was a general pattern by which all letters were begun. Name of sender or senders, the addresses or addressees, and the greeting itself. As with most of Paul's epistles, this pattern is followed here, but Christianized. And one through two, give thanks in New Testament Greek is eucharisto. And that's where the word Eucharist comes from. We are giving thanks to God um, while receiving the holy mysteries. From which we get our English word Eucharist. A spirit of thanksgiving constantly pervades the prayers of Paul, as here when he specifically remembers the Christians in Thessalonica. Thessalonica. I'm really bad at pronouncing things, so forgive me. I uh, That's why I also enjoy doing this, because I'm trying to learn how to say things properly and humble myself as well along the way. So forgive me. And then one through three, remembering and without ceasing describes effective pair, prayer. Faith, hope, and love are three Christian virtues Paul links together in other letters. These virtues are connected to actions. Faith works, love labors, and hope produces patience, showing that salvation goes beyond attitudes to action. And then verses one, six, Imitators of Christ also imitate spiritual leaders, pastors, bishops, and in this case, the apostles, even in their suffering. Let others be instructed by you, at least by your deeds. With their wrath, you be mild. With their boastful speech, you be humble-minded. With their abuse, you offer prayers. With their deceit, you be firm in faith. With their cruelty, you be gentle, not eager to imitate them. The joy of the Holy Spirit is not an easy emotional high but comes with the struggle proper to spiritual life, including preserving or persevering through affliction. And the one who suffers is the one who is comforted. And then in verses 7 through 10, what a tribute to the Thessalonian believers. People everywhere were speaking of them. And then uh, verse 10 from Thessalonians 1, the early Christians expected Christ to return in their lifetime. And this hope had helped them purge their lives of sin. So that's 1 Thessalonians 1 through 10. Today's reading was 1 Thessalonians 6 through 10. And then next we are going to get into Luke chapter 17 verses 26 through 37. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day the lot, that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he who is on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife? Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, in that night there will be two men in one bed. The one will be taken, and the other will be left. Two women will be grinding together. The one will be taken, and the other left. Two men will be in the field. The one will be taken, and the other left. And they answered and said to him, Where, Lord? So he said to them, Wherever the body is, there the eagles will be gathered together. 
So that's Luke 17, 26 through 37. And we see a warning to not be preoccupied with worldly matters. Um, and it applies both to believers and to the parishes. And then in verses 34 through 36, Christ's second coming will entail a sudden revelation of judgment. One will be taken to heaven and the other left for eternal condemnation. The separation of the saints from the wicked will occur on the day when the Son of Man is revealed, as referred to in verse 30, and not as some speculative today, as some speculate today at an event that occurs before his return. Verse 37, we see the body refers to Christ, while the equals, eagles refer to the angels and saints. So that is Luke 17, 26 through 37, and we're going to read Luke 18, verse 8. I'll start, and we'll just read verse 8. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, he will really find faith on the earth. What does he will really find faith on the earth mean? The Lord often uses this form of question when speaking of characteristics that are rarely found. And we can see that it refers us back to 1111 and 1242. So we can go ahead and go back to Luke 11. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, you will give him a stone. Will he give you a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And then 12.42 of Luke as well. And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward, whom his master will make ruler over his household, to give them their portion of food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. But if that servant says in his heart, My master is delaying his coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and be drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour when he is not aware, and he will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers." And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. That was Luke 17, 26 through 37 and Luke 18 through 8 with some references back to Luke 11, 11 and 12, 42. So that will conclude today's short stream on the lives of the saints commemorated today, November 23rd and the daily readings from Thessalonians 1, 6-10, Luke 17, 26-37, and 18-8. I hope everybody has a very fruitful uh, continuation of this fast, the Nativity Fast for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I hope that you have a blessed day and enjoy the rest of your week. Tonight I will be going live at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time with a short stream probably 30 minutes to an hour um it'll be on the kyle rittenhouse verdict and how this has progressed into a new form of racism that we're seeing uh, almost almost a reverse racism against white people 
and how we should not be looking at each other based on the color of our skin, but acknowledging the fact that we are all children of God and that must come first. So I hope you have a beautiful day and, you know, hit the notification bell, subscribe, share it with your friends and family.